Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. All right, audience, another week, another guest appearance on the show. This week, we are joined by Gavin Good from the Associated Press. I mean, listen, audience, I can't even just name one place where this guy writes for. He writes for damn near everybody out here in this industry. Gavin, Talk to him. Hardest working man in the industry over here in these streets. <laughs> I will uh, accept that label, although I know it's not true. Uh, great <laughs> to be on the show, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Listen, audience, he's very humble over here. He's very humble over here. You should hear what he was saying off camera, off camera. And off, uh, <laughs> you, got, you guys knew I was going to do it to him. But no, Gavin, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. And a little backstory, we actually met Gavin and a preps uh, tournament uh, last offseason or last season for CPS. He's also on the Illini beat with us as well for the AP. So Gavin's always been around, a good guy, man, like very happy. You see him, he's always got a smile on his face, and I, and I like that. I I naturally will, you know, go up to people like that and strike up a little conversation. So, Gavin, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, feel the same way. Uh, sometimes uh, these media people have uh, – I don't know. We're busy, but some people are like oddly not approachable when our whole job is talking to people. So yeah. uh, I try to try try to be approachable, and uh, I don't know. I guess I guess maybe I do smile a lot. That's good. Uh, other people tell me I'm uh, negative. So <laughs> I, I like this. I like the way I'm being made out uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all I do is tell the truth, man. Because if I didn't rock with you, you wouldn't be talking to us on the show right now. So <laughs> that is true, right there. <laughs> Listen, audience, man, we are here to talk about all things Alana on this show, Alana football. We may even sneak in some Alana hoops on the back end of this conversation. So, Gavin, thanks for pulling up with us. I just got to get your viewpoint because Gavin's up in the press box with us for Alana football. 61 Alana football team. You saw this coming all the way, right, Gavin? Hell no. I think – I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I think everyone covering the team right now can agree that none of us saw this coming. Um you know, Brett Bielema claims he saw this coming. You know what? I believe him. But I, I would not uh, – I, I would understand why others on the outside would be a little skeptical of that. You look at the talent of this team, uh, not to say they're not talented, 
but they're not one of the most talented teams in the Big Ten, um, nor are they the most talented team in the Big Ten West, but they are certainly playing like the best team in the Big Ten West, um, actually a, a bar above everyone else, I, I think, especially after, uh, you know, Purdue's loss at Wisconsin this week, um, this past week. Um, so, no, I, it, I can't say I saw it coming. Uh, you know, preseason, full disclosure, thought Illinois would win five games um, and that they'd be on the outside looking in. Uh, on the bowl scene, uh, they're already going bowling. So they're definitely uh, doing a lot better than, than I and many others thought. I mean, it, to your point, a lot of people that we talked to in the media space were kind of like right there in where Gavin's at, like five, six wins, right? People thought they'll probably be – right there in that bowl conversation, man, this team, they threw that thing out the window. They're like, screw that, man. We, we, we about to make some noise. And I'll tell you one thing, man, Brett Bilma, he deserves his flowers, guys, because the turnaround that he made after Lovey Smith, and I'm not here to clown Lovey, but it was rough. A lot of football, it, it was in a bad situation. Now. But what Brett Bilma did to me, and I want to get both of you guys' feedback on this, I thought the recruiting of the state and bringing the top athletes from the state of Illinois down to Champaign again, I thought that was one of the biggest reasons for the turnaround because he has players from this state excited about playing in Illinois. As you and I talk a lot about seeing talent leave the state, man, it's just good to see by coaching with his recruiting efforts around that. But Illinois, I mean, yes, it, it is absolutely essential for Illinois to keep uh, the plentiful talent this state has at home. Um, you know, I think people always think about that from a basketball perspective. We have such a loaded uh, you know, talented uh, crop of basketball players in Illinois. Well, the, the football talent's actually really good in this state. It's good enough to win. In fact, Iowa and Wisconsin have built their entire programs off of coming into Illinois' backyard and stealing recruits um, that them in Northwestern can't get because of their underachievement and, uh, you know, good sells that other programs are able to come in here and make. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, you do see, uh, you know, many of the state's top playmakers getting offers from great schools. Um, but I think, you know, this momentum is really tangible right now in the state. Um, certainly, you know, he, he is not committed to Illinois, uh, but I think one player who is a pretty well-known player, uh, Malik Elzey, a former uh, oh, yeah. Cincinnati commit, um, decommitted from there. He has had heavy Illini interest for a long time. Uh, I believe he went to Simeon. Um, yes, and yes, and, you know, I, I think just the fact that, um, you know, Cincinnati is not uh, exactly a program that's doing bad. Uh, you, know, they're, they're, you know, I think that in, in almost every year in recent memory, uh, uh, you get an offer from Cincinnati and it actually looks a lot better than an Illinois offer, despite them being in the Big Ten. Uh, the, the fact that they're really in the mix uh, for Malik um, is a great sign. And I definitely think um, that now that they're doing some, some winning, um, and, and beating their primary recruiting rivals uh, in Wisconsin and Iowa, you know, they still got to uh, take care of business against uh, Northwestern for sure. Um, and they've, they've been in plenty of recruiting battles with Purdue as well. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, people are seeing this and uh, what, what they saw before the wins was that real genuine commitment. Um, and that goes a long way, but it goes way longer when you pair that with success. Exactly. I mean, you've seen it, Gavin. And think about homecoming, right? You see all those recruits that were there. Not just the football recruits, but now Brad, now Brad Underwood is bringing his basketball recruits out there, right? Now they're seeing the win, and they're seeing 45,000-plus 
fans out there in the seats. I mean, like that right there is the shit that gets me fired up when I think about this team. Because, I mean, for a season and a half covering this football team, there'll be times I look over at that student section, I'm like, boy, this is terrible. I'm like, where are the kids at? Where, where, where they are they sleeping in? What, what are we doing? It's football game today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said that is so valid. Yeah. But, but to the point that you were making about the recruiting, you're right. It does take a little bit of time for all those efforts to come together. But if you look at this 23 class that, that's coming in here, and if you get a guy like Elsie, oh, my God. But the 23 class is coming together really nicely. And to the point that you brought up, all that offensive line, defensive line talent that has left this state to go to your Iowa's and your Wisconsin's. Hopefully now we start to see the page turn where the 23 class, 24 class, 25 classes, those that talent is staying home. I mean, we're seeing it already with the basketball program. We're going to get into that later. But a guy like Marez Johnson Jr. from Rita, when he makes that decision to like, fuck this, I'm, I'm taking myself off the recruiting trail, I'm committing to Illinois. Like that type of move like that, that says a lot about your program to get a top 50 recruit like that. And he, that's only the beginning because you see how the domino fell in place to get a Scott Clark and, and the rest is history, guys. So that's the momentum that I'm hoping that we see with this football program. Yeah, the, the path is there. Certainly it's a lot. Um, you know, basketball, you need just a couple of players, right? Football, you need um, more of a wave of players. And it really is, you know, you mentioned Merez. Merez is a great example. Uh, you know, there's plenty of guys uh, who, who were positively uh, impacted by his decision to go to Illinois. It makes it a lot more appealing to go there and play uh, with, with a talented kid like Merez. Um, you need that in football, too. Uh, you know, I think Caden Fegan uh, was a good get for this class. Obviously, he's a, a central Illinois kid, uh, maybe the one of the easiest targets you could get. Um, but I believe Iowa was really heavily involved, really, uh, you know, strong after him. That's a battle Illinois won early. I think, you know, we're going to start to see uh, some more of these go their way. Um, and, you know, I actually was covering recruiting pretty closely uh, for the News Gazette last year uh, remotely, and I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so I, one thing I wish I would be able to hear is the difference from then to now, you know, how kids are talking about Illinois, because uh, I'm not talking to recruits like I was for them. Um, and, you know, how they're perceiving Illinois so differently, because if you're, if you're Illinois, I mean, the – the motive behind the message is still the same, right? You believe you can win uh, with the talent that is here. Uh, you just got to keep it, keep it close. Um, and now, you know, I mean, there are a lot of Illinois guys. Um, you know, I know they got a lot of players from Florida. Uh, they've got a lot of players from around the country, uh, you know, and the Browns are from Canada. Um, right. But, like, <laughs> there's a lot of guys like Alex Palchewski, uh, who is not a big-time recruit, who's an Illinois guy. Um, Michael Marquez, uh, who grew up in Lake County by me, um, he grew up in Vernon Hills, went to Stevenson. He's in his third position, but having a pretty good year, uh, as an in-state guy, uh, you know, no longer on the team, Doug Kramer, uh, Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Green, uh, you know, both guys that found their way onto NFL rosters. Uh, Kendrick was a pretty, uh, you know, prestigious draft pick. Uh, so, you know, there's, it's definitely a model, uh, that can be followed successfully. And I actually think um, that Lovey Smith had some initial success in the state. Uh, Kendrick was a great example of that uh, and a guy who really, really panned out. Um, and, you know, there's maybe some other characters, not characters, but guys in the state 
um, who, who really, uh, you know, Lovey wasn't able to keep them bought in onto the team. And, uh, you know, some of those guys, I'd imagine, are, are going to do good things elsewhere, uh, just as many kids for a long time have uh, spurned Illinois for greener yep. pastures. Uh, <laughs> so it's a matter of, you know, will we, will we see this tide change definitively the way it has with the basketball program? Um, and you mentioned Brad Underwood's success. Um, you know, now they got a nice new facility. Uh, for football, the facility came first. Uh, yep. So, you know, I think that's a, a tool that, uh, you know, like Lovey, I think Bielma is using that. Um, and uh, it, it just sure helps when you've got uh, the coaches around the state talking about you uh, nicely. I, I think something maybe that was underlooked a little bit or overlooked a little bit uh, was Bielma's hiring of Pat Ryan. He was a longtime oh, high yeah. school football coaching uh, legend in the Peoria area. I want to say Metamora. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Pat Ryan, I mean, you talk about high school football in Illinois. Um, there's a lot of people who know it a lot better than me uh, that he knows just about everyone. Um, and he's a, a, a very nice, welcoming guy that I think, um, you know, even though he's older, I think kids really like him. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what kind of happens um, and uh, whether they're able to convert finally uh, at long last uh, this real genuine momentum. Um, like you referenced those empty stadiums you'd seen over the last couple of years. I mean, it's really only gotten worse over the last uh, decade or so steadily. Um, and, you know, Josh Whitman today said that, you know, earlier, it's been a while ago now, so there's probably been some tickets sold since then, but there were only 3,000 uh, tickets left available for this Michigan State game. Um, wow. And that's without, a, that's without a kickoff time having been announced yet. So the, the excitement is very tangible. I love that. That's for me. That's, I can't wait till next weekend. I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be a, a very good atmosphere. Very good. Oh, yeah. Probably the best. Um, probably the best that I'll have seen uh, covering an Illinois football game for sure. I think. Did you cover the Wisconsin game? The upset win? Yeah, in 2019. Yeah. Actually, a funny story. I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I cracked my girlfriend's uh, car windshield on my way into the stadium that day. Um, and then oh, no replace her entire uh, car windshield. Um, and it ended up being good luck for Illinois, I guess. Uh, wasn't great luck for my wallet. Uh, yeah, I covered that one. I'll tell you, that atmosphere, it was loud. Fans were excited, but it was like less than 30, 30-some mm, thousand people there. You know, it was not, yeah. uh, not a packed house. Yeah, I was in the stands for that one and rushed the field. That was the last game I've been there as a fan. <laughs> well, that's a good one to go out on. Yeah, that was that was great, and that was kind of like when I'm like I was talking with some people around the seats, and this one guy I'll never forget him. He he was a season ticket holder, and he was like, "Dude," he said, "You're so knowledgeable." He said, "You ever thought about going into this space?" And I'm like, "Nah, man." I said, "I went to school for it. There's not enough money in it, and here we are now. <laughs> <laughs> We're not in it for the money, right? You know? No, man. No, you can't be. You'll be crazy if that's what it was about for you." You gotta, you gotta love this. You gotta love the grind. And I tell that to people, Gavin. And you, you could probably tell our audience more than me and Al. We'll get so many freelance guys that'll come up and say, like, "Oh man, you guys are covering this and covering that." Man, we would love to do this. And then they don't realize that it's not just about being at the game. There's a whole research component, right? You got to do film breakdowns, writing, 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 writing. Right? It's so much that goes into it that a lot of people, once they see what all the work that you're doing, they're like, "Oh, this isn't fun as I thought it was gonna be." <laughs> <laughs> They don't see the preparation, um, just the product, right? That's so. right. That's right. That's right. But so from your standpoint, 6-1 ball club, 
What do you think the biggest component are for the success? I mean, obviously, Chase Brown, that's low-hanging fruit. What do you think? Because when I look at the fact that Tommy DeVito's come in here, man, and to me, I think he's been a major catalyst for the success of the team. But what, what are your thoughts, you know, as far as some of the reasons behind this 6-1 and one start? Yeah, well, I sense, you know, we largely agree. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to understate what Chase Brown is doing. Um, leading the country, he still leads the country right now. Um, you know, after the off week in total yards, yeah, he's getting a lot of carries. So his, his average isn't quite um, as impressive as some others, but I believe he's still averaging easily over five yards a carry. Um, sorry if that's not accurate, but I think it is. Um, and, and I really do think Chase is, is the, the biggest individual driver of this team's success. And yet um, the catalyst might've been Tommy DeVito's transfer to this team. Um, and the hiring of Barry Lunny Jr., I think, was was a very important catalyst as well. Um, you know, I mean, Illinois has really struggled at the quarterback position. I, I think anyone listening to this will probably have quite, uh, you know, a familiar perception of Illinois quarterbacks, somewhat along Bears quarterbacks. Like, there's just not been a lot of success there for a long time. Um, <laughs> Illinois has had maybe a few better quarterbacks than the Bears, actually, believe it or not. Uh, but, Jeff uh, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> DeVito comes here, and I think DeVito's problem at Syracuse was he was playing in front of – or behind a horrendous offensive line. And despite Illinois losing a lot of their great offensive line from last year, I mean, this group has been fantastic, um, you know, just collectively – and Brown has has been able to capitalize on that. But if you don't have a quarterback who can make accurate throws, make good reads, actually progress through, you know, his all of his reads um, instead of, you know, having to take that first read. Um, and then at the same time, buy time with his legs when needed. Um, it has really opened things up for Chase Brown. It has made defenses have to respect Illinois' running game to the point where their offensive line, I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure whether it's better than last year, but they are performing even better right now. Um, and, and it's just really impressive. So I, I think the, the biggest catalyst might be DeVito, but I, I say that and I want to emphasize that what Chase Brown is doing is probably the best individual performance I have seen at Illinois, um, okay. certainly in my time covering the team. I mean, you, you got to look at the fact that thousand-yard rusher already at this point in the season. I mean, that's phenomenal. The team in the school, I mean, the school now, Gavin and Al, they're now starting to embrace what Chase is being able to do. Right? They unveiled that webpage, Chase in history. Yeah. They see what's at stake here. So, yeah, obviously, Gavin, you're correct. We don't want to undercut, but I just thought that that would be the easy thing for us to talk about because we know what Chase Brown yeah. means to this this football yeah. team. But I think that transfer, though, of bringing in DeVito, that solidified that quarterback position. You guys remember last season. I don't want to pick on people. But you remember last season in that quarterback position. It was not good. It was not good. <laughs> no, and Brandon Peters is a talented guy. Um, quarterback's a really hard job. Um, and I think uh, DeVito, you know, Peters had taken a lot of tough hits in his years. He'd thrown to a lot of receivers who weren't open uh, because it was that or get sacked. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, for better or worse, uh, I think for better, um, you know, DeVito is in now. And, you know, like you said, it's it's not to to, to kick anybody. 
of the past, but he has really elevated the position. And I, I think, you know, uh, mentally DeVito is in a really secure place where he, he can take a bad hit. He can take, he can throw a pick and bounce back. It seemed like Peters really struggled um, to be consistently confident. DeVito, I think, is like, you know, almost with athletes, you almost want them to be too confident in a way that they're not selfish. Uh, but you got to believe you can do it. Right. Um, and if you're a quarterback, you need to be making other people believe in themselves. You got to believe in your offense more than your offense believes in itself. And Illinois finally has an offense that really believes in itself. Uh, I mean, you can see the change from year over year to Bielema's trust for this offense. Um, they're converting on more than half of their fourth down conversions, um, but have been really impressive in a few situations um, in recent weeks. Um, you know, situationally, um, you know, the, the playbook is open for these guys. Um, the trust is there and things are really clicking, you know, offensively. I mean, we haven't even mentioned – uh, this stellar defense that has also improved, you know, like the offensive oh, line, they were already good. And this defense is, uh, you know, statistically probably the best in the country right now, depending on, uh, you know, the categories you value. Yeah. Lights out, lights out for sure. And we're definitely going to get back to that defense. I, I had one thing on DeVito that I wanted to just bring up to you guys. And I definitely agree with everything you shared there, Gavin, but I think the biggest thing for me is just seeing the kids, the confidence, right. And the efficiency and how he plays. Like, there's been so many games where you just see he just starts coming out, completion, completion, completion. All of a sudden, you're like, man, he's throwing that 70% clip right now. And he's just making it look easy. They're just moving down the field with ease. When's the last time you've seen our offense look like that? I mean, Wes Lunt, we maybe could say back in 2015. But before that, we have not seen an offense run this smooth. And that's the, certainly, my biggest takeaway. Certainly. I mean, it's the best Illinois offense in at least a decade. You know, it's really not close. Uh, Nathan Shieldhouse was a fantastic uh, college quarterback. Um, a lot different, you know, not to, to downplay uh, DeVito's ability to use his legs, but Shieldhouse was an elite runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at some of uh, the ways they make reads, I mean, you know, Westland was a solid quarterback, um, but I think DeVito is, is much more dynamic, and, and yet um, the decisions he makes are pretty good, uh, like a veteran Shieldhouse um you know back in in the early 2010s and then you know I mean I I think he's uh I don't think he has as much talent around him as Juice Williams had um you know the most talented team I've seen by a lot you know I was technically alive for uh the the team that won the Big Ten title um in 2001 from Illinois but I don't remember that team uh can't really speak on their talent uh, this team is nowhere near as talented as that that 2007-2018 that made the Rose Bowl, uh, which makes uh, their effectiveness all that more impressive. So, you know, I, I definitely think uh, it, it's hard to understate um, how impressive this run for Illinois has been. The only thing really you can call into question is the quality of the wins over the opponents. Uh, you know, in a Big Ten West that I think uh, – you know, I don't think you'll have anyone telling you that this is a strong iteration of the Big Ten West, but that doesn't change that Illinois has dominated. Right. That's a fair point, Gavin. But then the people that will kind of push back on us a little bit 
are the same ones that would be killing this team if they were losing those games. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. So I think I think so. I think honestly, you know, when you look at the Iowa win, right? It wasn't sexy, it wasn't the prettiest win. But my thing is we grinded it out. And that was a tough ball game to sit through. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Gavin. It was tough, yeah. but we got it done. Not as tough as 63-0, uh, which Oof. was one of those days. <laughs> Oof. Fair enough. He put he put it back in perspective. <laughs> but before we turn it over to the defense. I do want to piggyback off of what you mentioned about Barry Lunny Jr. The fact that we were able to hire him away from UTSA. I mean, that was a hell of a move to get here, here get him here. Because when you look at this Alana offense right now, guys, you see that how Lunny operates. He puts a balance. I mean, it's an emphasis on balance for sure. But that power running game, how he mixes that in, right, with DeVito play action. DeVito with the short to intermediate passing game, right? And those weapons on offense. We haven't even talked about the receivers. But a guy like Pat Bryant is a guy that is emerging. I really love what he brings to the table out there, guys. I mean, you even brought up the tight end options. Ford is a guy that everybody was expecting, you know, to have a breakout season. He's going to be quiet a little bit out there this season. But those receivers, I think, have really shown you that they're ready to take that next step. You know, I have had um, a lot of doubts about this group. Um, and honestly... I, I do think that as Illinois has had success in the run game this year, and as DeVito, you know, struck up a good rapport early with Isaiah Williams, um, and then, as you noted, Pat Bryant, who has emerged as a good option, and certainly Brian Hightower, who missed all of last season, um, they don't really have a guy. Like, you know, Williams gets a ton of targets, um, but but as far as, you know, He's a very explosive guy who can turn something into nothing. But as mm -hmm. far as, you know, real elite speed uh, downfield, uh, he's not that. Um, you know, I think I think Bryant's going to be a really good receiver over the next few years. Um, and, and, and yet he's still got some developing to do. So I'm feeling really uh, impressed and optimistic about this group right now. Um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Luke Ford. Uh yeah, you know, Luke Ford's great at a few things that he does. He is great in blocking. Um, yes. His hands, I, I don't think, are quite as sure as people would have hoped uh, for as highly heralded of a recruit as he was. I do think he helps this team, but it's been really impressive to see <laughs> to see a guy like Michael Marquez getting <laughs> touchdown catches. What, he's got like two touchdown catches. Two. Yep. And these are on plays that are really well schemed up. Uh, you know, certainly, I believe, I believe his long touchdown was a real crafty call from Barry Lunny. So, you know, I think getting Lunny over from UTSA after they embarrassed you at home last year, mm. um, it's not just something that Brett Bielema was like, you know, this I got to get this guy because what the heck, this is embarrassing. No, I think he saw a rising star and was like, this guy can help us. I mean, he's already doing things with this UTSA group of receivers. I forget their best guy's name, but he absolutely torched Illinois last year. Um, and now you see, um, you know, this this offense and the, this group of receivers who really hadn't accomplished a ton um, before this year uh, starting to make names for themselves. You know, that's no disrespect to Isaiah Williams, who I think already was a really uh, respected player um, even around the Big Ten. Uh, yep. But other guys are stepping up. They are. Now, I want to 
throw something into the conversation for you guys. We talked about Chase Brown, but think about his did that backfield for the Illini, him, Josh McCray, right? You have Hayden back there. You have Reggie Love. You have a lot of different guys in the mix there. And once Josh McCray, I think, gets back, maybe we'll start to see the load of carries kind of maybe decrease slightly for Chase Brown. But what to get you guys' thoughts about his workload up to this point? Because, yes, you want the ball in his hands as much as possible. Trust me. But the 41 carries that he had in the last ball game, I was kind of like walking right from there. I'm like, that kid's going to be in that cold tub all fucking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a guy, man, I hate to see them wear down. Because I think a lot of 41 carries is a lot. You got to share the workload for his – and, you know, people are going to start loading up on him as always, right, anyway, because they know how good he is. I think DeVito actually helped him out, of course, by being a solid quarterback. But at the end of the day, 41 carries is still 41 carries. So when you start taking that much punishment, I mean, it started to add up over time. So they got to let somebody else shoulder some of that load. Put it back down 25, 30 carries for us. That's cool, you know. But that 41, man, that's just a ridiculous stat line. Yeah, I would love to see Chase get down to 25. Uh, you know, 25-27 maybe mm -hmm. against Nebraska. It would also probably be a good sign of things moving forward for Illinois. You know, I think Josh McCray really is a 10-carrier guy uh, kind of back. He he brings such a different element than Chase, um, who is a really tough runner. But Josh McCray is a traditional Brett Bielema power back. I mean, mm -hmm. and he is so hard to bring down um, and, and yet has really – you know, only scratch the surface of his potential. If you were to actually ask me before the season who I thought had a higher chance of making the NFL, Chase or Josh, I probably would have told you Josh. Um, I think they're both likely NFL guys. Uh, certainly after this, I think Chase is an NFL guy. Um, and, and running back, oddly, has been the position where Illinois has not lacked uh, for, for playmaking in their history. Um, you know, you mentioned Reggie Love and Chase Hayden. I think a lot of fans actually, like, probably aren't uh, too high on Chase Hayden. Um, and that's no disrespect. He actually had a, a couple of nice carries, um, you know, kind of uh, not to say in garbage time, but, you know, in the second half uh, recently. And, you know, he's, a, he's, he's certainly uh, no scrub. And right. Reggie Love, I think, is a good back as well, um, yeah. who has been very effective this year. Very um, Almost Very. every situation you go to him in, he he's making good decisions. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's it's a great group. I think that there's plenty of trust in Chase Brown, and there is plenty of stamina in Chase Brown, but not superhuman stamina. And 40, <laughs> carries, 40 carries in a game is is too much, uh, you know, for, for anybody. Yeah, I mean, I know he looks like He-Man. He is He-Man. But let's, uh, like you said, I'm with you guys. 25 to 27 carries. I will feel good about that this weekend against uh, going against Nebraska. Now, Gavin, you talked about that defense. Let's get into it, right? Because we know that line out are number one in the nation in total, you know, scoring defense, right? Second against the run. I mean, this is an incredible unit here. When you look at this matchup against Nebraska, what are you guys' thoughts about what we can anticipate out of our defense? I'll tell you what you can anticipate. More of the same. You know, I think, I mean, this group has been impressive at every level. Um, you know, maybe you don't have uh, the stars emerging among that linebacker core, but certainly you have a star in Johnny Newton. Certainly you have a budding star lineman in Keith Randolph. Uh, mm -hmm. These guys, we knew these guys were good, but holy cow, uh, you know, Johnny is having a remarkable year. Um, 
<laughs> and they're getting to the quarterback so much. And then you pair that um, with probably the best Illinois secondary I've seen, uh, certainly since the 2007-2008 Rose Bowl team. They might be better. Uh, I think they are, too. Secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think Devin Witherspoon is a future NFL player. Uh, you look at what this staff did with Kirby Joseph in one year. Uh, credit to Lovey Smith for that was another great eval for Lovey. Uh, but they really, uh, you know, were able to get Kirby playing his best ball. And now he's making plays in the NFL. Um, sure you know, Illinois is able to, to highlight uh, for future recruits to say, look, this is what we can do. Um, you know, it, it, as far as what to expect uh, from this defense at Nebraska, I would love uh, to see them continue to be generating takeaways uh, in the way they have been. Uh, it seems like this group is getting a lot of interceptions. Uh, you look at Kendall Smith, it's, I think uh, anyone, I don't think anyone thought Kendall Smith would have four interceptions right now. Um, he deserves a lot of credit for that. But his teammates have helped him by putting him in good situations. Ryan Walters uh, trusts this group in one-on-one coverage a lot. Um, and it makes quarterbacks, uh, you know, quarterbacks want to trust themselves and their receivers too. So you're kind of daring these, these college quarterbacks that are more mistake prone uh, than these top NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> and in college that generates you a lot more turnovers uh, and yep. takeaways. So, you know, I think this group will get a couple more takeaways. I would, I would look for them uh, to put up another really impressive showing on the scoreboard. Um, and, and I'm curious uh, for what Nebraska is able to do. Um, haven't watched actually as much of, of Nebraska as I would have liked to because I kind of wrote them off. Um, <laughs> and I have to, you know, I have to give credit where it's where it's due. These guys have not given up. Um, and it seems like maybe Scott Frost uh, was the problem. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely say. I, I would say though, when you look at this this matchup, I don't think that. Nebraska is going to fare very well, but I don't want to undercut them because that's a tough environment to play in at Lincoln. I think everybody knows that if you go to Nebraska, well, now at least, <laughs> you know, you're going to be in for it. You're going to be in for it. And the thing that gives me the most, like, just enthusiasm once this matchup is what Walters has done with his unit and the fact to what Gavin said, how they get people to, to turn over that football. The pass rush has been there. And that secondary, man, I'm telling you, I put that secondary up against damn near any team in the Big Ten. I'm sorry. I know I'm getting a little meatheadish when I say that, but I'm not worried about Ohio State. I know they got some weapons. We That is how good I feel about this secondary. Bring that smoke on. Big Ten championship game. Let's go. Praise, man. We shall see. <laughs> I'll tell you, Brian, you, you, you're going down a good path there, bro, when you talk about that secondary. I mean, you know, guys, Artavius, Mark, you know, he does a great job. I mean, the other Brown brother, he does a great job. I mean, these guys hit. Oh, well, hey, no, put, some, put, 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 some, put some respect on his name. Sidney Brown. Well, go ahead. There you go. Sidney Brown. Sidney <laughs> <laughs> Brown, man, is, is an animal out there. That dude can hit, man. I mean, hit. Not only just can get in the surface, but he's out there wrecking shots. So that ball getting there, man, you know, these guys go hunt, man. And I think that's the good thing about the secondary. But a lot of this stuff, stuff also starts with the D-line as well, along with Seth Coleman, how these guys have stepped their game up, man. Oh, my man. God. Yes, sir. <laughs> You see Seth Coleman out there's like, hold on. We're not only just talking about Newton and Randolph now. You got another guy you got to worry about. When he gets back there, you know there's a lot of that team really cooking on that defensive side of it. So it makes it very tough for that co- the opposing quarterbacks because now they got to take some risk. You throw that ball out there, it's over. Well, you brought up Seth Coleman's name. 
Boy, he comes off that edge like a he's sick, he, he <laughs> sick of seeking missile, bro. That dude right there. I mean, you guys saw the, the havoc that he wreaked uh, in that yep. Iowa game. I mean, he, 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 boy, he, he can play. He, he's, he's a ball player. They don't, people don't talk about him enough. Uh, I think, you, thank you for bringing that up, Al. I think that was a the hell of a point. But I will say this, though. When you look at this Nebraska team right now, I know they lost to Purdue a couple weeks ago, guys. Yeah. But you have to watch and see how they've opened things up for the passing game a little bit. Now, I know I went a little meathead earlier, and I talked about my our secondary. I do think, though, in this matchup, guys, I think that's an area that we have to look at and hone in on just a little bit because I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Nebraska from the passing game standpoint, right? Um, their running game is starting to kind of come alive a little bit. You know, so they're doing a decent job since Scott Frost was unceremoniously fired from that situation. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, like, I don't want anybody in the Illini Nation to be overly confident going into this matchup because, hey, any given Saturday, you know, you never know what can happen. You're absolutely right, Brian. I mean, and certainly Lincoln is a tough place to play always. Uh, I don't think you'll – you know, one thing about – uh, Illinois that I think really helps them is this team is not going to overlook anybody. Um, you know, I said I wrote Nebraska off. Illinois certainly hasn't. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a game that Illinois has actually fared a little better in uh, than some of their other usual division opponents. Um, but certainly there's a lot of respect for Nebraska, um, who has an offense uh, that you mentioned is really starting to click. What was it, 37 points uh, against Purdue? Uh, quarterback through for more than 300 yards. Yeah, he's a little mistake prone. Um, so you're going to have to get him to bite on some throws, uh, you know, where you're getting to him, getting pressured to him, and he's got to make a, a decision. Um, and then you're going to have to trust your playmakers like Sidney Brown, who certainly deserves his fair share of praise. Um, it wasn't the first coach, but P.J. Fleck likened him to Troy Palomalu, um, mm. the way that he closes down space on receivers. Um, mm-hmm. It is really impressive. And uh, I asked him about it. He didn't really have, like, a magical answer. Um, you know, it's just kind of how you read the game, how physically explosive you are, and your timing. But he has got it down. Um, and, and so, you know, this is – I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I'm excited to see uh, the extent to which Nebraska can push Illinois because I do think, um, you know, early on in this game, Nebraska's defense can raise its level. Uh, which I'm more concerned um, for for them. I'm concerned about, you know, their defense's capabilities to stop this Illinois team. Um, but if, if they can, if they can step up on defense, get a, get a stop or two early, uh, force Illinois into some field goal situations uh, where Pinton, who has been accurate, uh, but doesn't seem to have range, um, and Caleb Griffin, uh, you know, not sure he's going to be coming back. Uh, who does have range, but has also had some accuracy problems. I I think they could exploit Illinois uh, situationally um, and and put this team in a hole. So, you know, certainly I I think that first quarter is going to be real telling. Uh, uh, We'll be able to see, is Illinois going to wear these guys down, run these guys over? Um, Is Thompson and the the Cornhusker offense, are they going to be able to to prove that they can score against an elite defense? Um, I don't think Nebraska (laughs) – has faced any? I'm not sure. Good. I'm not sure how good Oklahoma's defense is statistically. Uh, obviously, usually Oklahoma's great. Uh, not quite as much the case this year. No. But I don't know <laughs> if they faced a unit like this Illinois unit. Uh, <laughs> no, so it's, this, it's this is a buzzsaw. This is a buzzsaw. Yeah. And 
And and the point that you made earlier, which I think I want to make sure that people that are listening to the show remember and this mainly take away, you can't turn the ball over against this Illini team. It's true. I mean, if that happens, Nebraska consider your asses cooked. But I will say this. If they could get that passing game working earlier on, they may be able to kind of hang in there with us. But the one thing that, that Nebraska has a problem with is closing out drives with points. They have a lot of empty drives. You know what I mean? And we know what Illinois is going to do to these teams. We grind teams out, right, on both yeah. sides of the ball. And, Gavin, you brought up a good point about my boy Breezy, my boy Penton. Now, you're right. <laughs> you know, he may not have the best range, but you get that sucker inside 35 for him, hey, he's drilling that shit. It's been good so far. And, you know, in that Iowa game, that's a tough situation. Uh, so certainly from guts, composure, from that standpoint, uh, he checks out, you know. And I, I think in the in the medium term, uh, you know, I think you do have questions about special teams, uh, but it's not abysmal. Um, and this is, a, this is a program that's had an embarrassment of riches and special teams, which is funny. You know, I don't think anyone asks for that. Uh, obviously, you want to be good in special teams, uh, <laughs> but to have Blake Hayes and James McCourt uh, and even Ethan Table as your your specialists are pretty. Those are those are elite guys that are tough to replace. Um, so you know it, it. It is you know I wouldn't feel too bad uh, about Pinton being good within forty yards. It's college. Uh, that's really you know kind of the standard. If you can be pretty accurate uh, from medium range, short range. Uh, you're, it's on your offense to get you there and to, to get into the end zone enough so it doesn't come to bite you. You point out Nebraska's uh, red zone problems. I don't think Illinois is uh, excused from its own. So that's a you know another area as, as we look at how this team can progress. Um, I would like to see them convert a little more in the red zone into touchdowns. Um, you know, sure, Pinton's probably going to hit these, these 30 to 40 yarders. Um, I'd be interested to see what he could do from 50. Um, but yeah, you know, ideally you don't have to put him in that situation. Right. Right. No, for sure. All right. Let's get a score prediction and audience. We're going to give you guys a little treat on the back end. We're going to get a little line out hoops snuck in on the back end. Cause we know a dub, you know, how they, these people, they, that's all they <laughs> want us to talk about over here. We got to get some love to the football squad first though, but score predictions guys. What are we looking at for uh, Saturday? I'm going to go 35-14 Illinois. Um, I, I don't quite think Nebraska is going to come out and uh, score and kind of take, take control this game. I think it's, it's going to be more of what we've seen. Um, and, and I do think, uh, you know, this first quarter will be real interesting uh, to, see, to see what Nebraska has in the tank. I'm going to go 35-14 Illinois. Okay. Al, what we got? 28-10 Illinois. I think the defense is still going to be strong, as always. And I just think that they're going to do a good job at slowing down Trey Palmer, too. Well, I hope so, because uh, a lot of people have not had a lot of luck against him. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So you right. said 28-10? 20, yes, 28-10. Okay, 10. I got you. I'm going 27-22. to 22. I think it's going to be a hmm. little closer game than what you guys are thinking. I still think we get that dub. But I think it's going to be a little bit of a tougher game. But uh, I think uh, this Illini team, I don't envision any of, like, weirdness happening in this game. I think it's going to just be a little bit closer. That's all. But we're going to get that dub, move the 7-1, and one, and get closer and closer to playing in Indianapolis. I know I keep talking about that, audience. 
I yes. see it with my whole chest. <laughs> I see it with my whole entire chest. <laughs> the promised land right there. That's right, man. Boy, would that be something, man? We get to cover that potentially. So I want that. I want that in my life. I need it in my life, honestly. I need it. <laughs> it can really happen. And there's literally never been a time where Illinois has been in this position. Uh, the last time they were comparably this good, Big Ten didn't have divisions like this. No. Uh, that's the fun of being in the West, right? Uh, you know, I don't think anyone thinks uh, Illinois would, uh, would sniff first place in the East. Uh, but you don't have to, so. No, yeah, exactly, and that's the thing, because I get people all the time, Gavin, they're like, yeah, but you guys don't have to deal with the Michigan and the Ohio State. I'm like, sounds like your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I can only deal with the world that's in front of me. I can only deal with the cars that are in front of me. That's all I worry about, so it is what it is. Let's get some Atlanta hoops in the mix, Gavin. So we were talking in the pre-show, and we were saying, like, this Atlanta hoop season it's probably going to be a lot different than what we've seen before, right? So last season you had your veteran squad, right? You lose all of that leadership. This season here, Brad Underwood is turning over the keys to the team to inexperienced guards, right? Your Sky Clark, your Jay Naps, and so forth. So what are your thoughts just like from your – what's your outlook for the season as a whole, you know, going to 2022 here? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my outlook for the season. I think Illinois is going to be a good team. Um, you know, I mentioned pre-show, I don't think this is one of those uh, Big Ten championship teams. Um, you know, like last year, I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, the potential's there uh, in a Big Ten that seems weaker on paper, though. Um, I, I think you laid out the situation pretty clearly here. Uh, with, with no more Kofi Coburn, uh, with these veteran guards and playmakers gone, um, either transferred or eligibility used up, um, it's in the hands of these young guards. Um, Illinois just lost a young but relatively proven guard, uh, Luke Goody, uh, oh. foot injury that's going to hold him out for it sounds like a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. Got to have surgery, uh, believe scheduled for Friday. Uh, that's troublesome. That's your only real proven shooter. Mm -hmm. Like straight up, you know, Ter Terrence, can, uh, Jan uh, Shannon Jr. can score, um, but Goody like was was a guy who was knocking down threes uh, for Illinois last year. Um, you didn't really have Coleman Hawkins doing that. You didn't have R.J. Melendez doing that. These mm -hmm. other guys who are good players who you're going to need a lot from. So I think as a team that could really struggle a little more at the offensive end is going to have to, to really uh, hone and, and retain this defensive identity uh, that Illinois basketball has prided itself on under Brad Underwood. Um, with a young group, I do think this team uh, with this schedule that is very exciting. I think this is a team that could fall out of the rankings, uh, certainly before the Big Ten, um, and could struggle early, um, lose some games where fans are going to be unhappy. And I think you need to embrace uh, this growth process, trust uh, that Brad Underwood teams are second half of the year type of teams. Um, but it might not be easy at first. And, and I actually expect uh, Illinois to, to kind of struggle through the non-conference. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they come out of Vegas with two losses. I was thinking that, too, because uh, we'll be down there covering that. And I was thinking, hey, it's early on. There's going to be a lot of mistakes. A lot of these guys, man, I mean, <laughs> you talk about uh, Sky. You talk about Jaden, even Sincere, if he's, you know, gets some playing time. Losing to Luke Goody. He was so underrated on that team last year, and all the kid did was come off the bench and knock down key threes, right? 
get tough rebounds, D people up. See, those are the things that people don't talk about. When you looked at this season, I thought that he was going to be very valuable, very valuable off the bench. So just off the scrimmage against Kansas, you already lose a guy like that. Already with the inexperience that we're talking about with this team, it's just who's going to step up in the absence of a, a, a Luke Goody. Can we see a Ty Rodgers potentially step up and, and maybe show us a little something? I think he might be a Draymond Green clone eventually, you know, when it when, when, when it matters. But well, who do you guys think steps up in Luke Goody's absence? Tough question. I'll leave it to Al first. <laughs> Look, yeah, I yeah, think, get, get it, Al. <laughs> I think you hit it on the head, though, Briss. I would like to see Rodgers, you know. I'd love to see him do his thing, man, because I think he's the one capable of defending. You and I talked a lot about him before, Briss, and what he can bring to the table. I like his height. That was 6'6". Six, six. Strong kid, man. I think he can come and really show some signs. And I think the way, you know, coach really want to play, he won't let these guards do their thing, man. A run type of style is going to be different from last season, right? As you all knew, last season, dumping down the Kofi, right? That's not how this is going to go this time around. These guards will have to be effective, open court, play up and down, man. And I think he's going to have this team running. But it is going to be some growing pains there, right? Because these guys are learning to play with each other, knowing that what shots they're going to get, where they're going to take it from. Who's going to come out as the man? You know, Sky Clark have the ball in his hands. You know how it's going to go, Perez. So it's going to be exciting to watch, but it's also going to be some growing pains with turnovers. So watch that part of the game as well with these young guards because it tends to happen with young guards anyway, as you all know. So growing pains early on on what you, Gavin. Second half, we're going to start to see guys step up. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I love Ty Rogers. I think, uh, you know, individually uh, covering his recruitment a little bit, I was really impressed with him. Uh, he's got all the intangibles of a player like Ayo Desumu. You know, he is a, a winner, a, a champion type of player um, who has won everywhere he's been, uh, looked really good uh, with the U.S. team uh, that he got to play with, which was, I thought, a great opportunity for him. Um, you know, I, I think you can trust in this talent, but I think you can also, you know, I don't know all these guys yet, uh, but it does seem like a really good group of players as well. Uh, where if, you know, as Al said, if they are really struggling with turnovers early, um, they seem like guys who, who won't turn on each other, um, yeah. who will respond to coaching, um, who kind of know what they're getting into and will embrace uh, these opportunities they've got. Um, you know, one benefit of Goody going down um, could be in kind of the, uh, the minute situation, You've got a lot of young guys that yes. all expect to be playing a role. You know, I'm not saying that Illinois promised anybody they're going to start or promised anybody, oh, you're our seventh man. You know, like, you'll, you know, don't worry. Like, you're going to get minutes this year. Like, I don't think it's exactly like that. But these are all, you know, when you've got all really heralded guys coming in. I mean, it's not like, it's not like when Trent Frazier came in. Trent Frazier, it wasn't like he was a, a bad recruit, but I mean, he wasn't a recruit like Sky Clark. Like you got guys coming right. in who everybody wanted, um, and our our guys that are already, you know, I mean, people, you know, maybe they, you know, wanted to be one and done. Um, and it doesn't seem like right. any of these guys right now are one and dones, uh, which I certainly think, uh, you know, would would continue to raise Illinois profile. But maybe you don't want from a uh, a consistency and continuous perspective. But yeah, I think Ty's the best bet to step up. You know, I think. I think Sky Clark, uh, you know, the, the rumblings have been really encouraging about Sky Clark. A lot was made after his ACL tear. Um, you know, I mean, you look at a guy, 
they're way different players, but you look at how an ACL can affect a guy going from high school to college. Uh, Demonte Williams is a good example. I mean, he was an elite scorer at the high school level, um, really never was able to, to have the explosiveness uh, mastered the composure and uh, shot making to do that at the college level. Uh, and I thought that, you know, his, his underclassman years, he really kind of uh, almost didn't seem to fully trust himself um, or maybe that knee. Um, and, and so I think early on it will be really interesting to hear and see what that's like for Sky. But so far it looks good. Um, and, and I think that those are two guys, you know, not to slight Harris or Epps, who I think are going to be great players. But I think those are guys who are very coachable um, in talking to them and very, you know, real, real sharp guys who will read the college game and will make their own adjustments. Um, and I think that will show, you know, after about eight to 10 games, you know, you're turning into, you know, around bragging rights. I'll be really interesting to see how Illinois is looking for that game because God knows if, uh, if they lose to Mizzou, uh, you know, no matter how well things are going, uh, people will be really pissed off. Yep. Uh, yep. So, you know, checking in around that time and seeing how those guys are progressing um, and stepping up, I think yeah. will be will be interesting. And I want to piggyback off of something you said about Sky. We all know when he came here, he credited Fletch and what he thought Fletch was going to be able to do for him. And so to the point you made, Gavin, those are the reports that we're seeing is the fact that Sky feels like he's back to that pre-ACL injury athleticism, that explosiveness. And the point that you made about Devontae Williams, that's a great comparison because Demonte was a bouncy athlete in high school. He would get to the cup or anybody. We did not see that same out of him with the Illini, right? But with Sky, I think having a fletch here, having these new facilities that we talked about in the open, I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about what this is going to do for recruiting in the future when other athletes or other potential recruits see, whoa, how did Fletch get Sky Clark back to that level? Holy shit, <laughs> you know? So then now that helps recruiting tenfold. So I think that was a great thing that you said there because Sky Clark has even said how he feels better than he did before he got hurt, which I think should be scary for Big Ten teams as the season kind of ramps up a bit. Yeah, Fletch, Fletch doesn't get paid enough money. I don't even need to know how much he makes to know <laughs> he doesn't get paid enough. Uh, you know, <laughs> thankfully for Illinois, I think he's a guy who fell in love with Champagne, wanted to raise his family there. Or I think he'd be working for an NBA team by now. So. Oh, oh, hands down. So we're thankful that the guy loves it down there. His neighbors, you guys better make sure you keep him happy. Cut your <laughs> grasses on that block. No stupidity around that neighborhood now. We need to keep him in champagne. <laughs> hey, sometimes go and cut his grass. <laughs> <laughs> right, facts. Facts there. Well, listen, hey, Gavin, man, thanks so much for pulling up with us, man. This has been dope, bro. I've been wanting to get you on this show for a year. All this, I know, you guys, a year? Listen, shit happens. This guy's busy, we're busy, but I'm glad we were able to make it happen, brother. This has been real, great conversation. I look forward to seeing you at the next line game, bro. Yeah, it's been great to be on, you guys. I thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I think it's it's certainly an exciting time in Illini land right now, um, and it makes those drives, as I'm sure you guys know well, uh, down 57, uh, a oh. little easier. <laughs> that, that construction is brutal. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see uh, if, if any of these lanes have reopened since uh, – or in time for this Michigan State game. 
uh, there's going to be at least, uh, you know, some portion of the 50,000 plus uh, uh, driving down 57, you know, before that game. So hopefully uh, they open up a few more of these lanes, make life a little easier on us uh, people traveling from Chicagoland. Seriously, fingers crossed. Hey, Gavin, before you get out of here, tell our audience how they can find you on social and just a little bit more about how they can find some of your articles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely check out my work with the Associated Press. Uh, as long as uh, Illinois is ranked, you're playing a ranked team. I'll be in Champaign staffing games this season. Um, you know, certainly uh, you can find my work uh, in the Chicago Tribune uh, covering Lake County government. If that's your, uh, your area of interest, I'm guessing it's not. Uh, in which case, you could definitely connect with me on Twitter, uh, where all my content lives uh, at It's All Good. There's a bunch of underscores in there. I'm not even going to say them. Just type in It's All Good, and hopefully uh, my name will pop up. Uh, but it's been a blast to join you guys, um, and I'm excited to see uh, how, uh, you know, you guys continue to grow um, and how, you know, in the near term, uh, certainly how these Illinois programs uh, continue to, to build on their success. Facts there, man. Facts there. Well, man, brother, I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Yes, sir. Hey, man, that was really dope, man, getting him on the show finally, man. It was, this is really good, man. Great conversation. And audience, you know how we do. We, we try to make sure if we bring a guest on the show, it's going to be someone that's going to be real, that someone's going to give you guys just real takes, not bullshit, honest feedback, you know what I mean? And, that, and I thought that's what we got in this episode from Gavin. So we definitely appreciate it. We appreciate you guys and your continued support of our platform. We're an independent platform. You know, it's grassroots over here. We're trying to grow. We're trying to build. But we appreciate each and every one of your listens. We don't take them for granted. AW, you got anything on the way out? It's always a pleasure to have those listeners, man, to tune in and hear us out, Chris. We appreciate that. And Gavin did his thing today. Appreciate that, Gavin, for coming over here, man, and doing his yes, thing. Yes, sir. Thank appreciate you. that. Appreciate you, audience. With Chicago State of Mind, thanks for listening. And we are out. Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.